Welcome to Cat Talk Radio with your host, Molly DeVos. Molly is a cat expert and certified feline training and behavior specialist. With her expertise and her guests, you'll learn how to interpret and control behavior issues with your cat, how to entertain and converse with them, and keep up on the latest feline news around the world. Now, here is Molly DeVos. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Cat Talk Radio. I'm your host, Molly DeVos. And today I want to talk about cats who are overstimulated. And before we jump into that exciting topic, (laughs) welcome my co-host and handsome husband, Dewey Vaughn. Hello, everyone. And hello to my beautiful wife and amazing partner. (laughs) Yay. I really... Every time I say, welcome, Dewey Vaughn, I always think of Denny Crane. <laughs> One of the best Yay. shows ever, if you were familiar with that. <laughs> yes, yeah, 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 yeah. So hello to all those out there in the great big cat world. So overstimulated cat, you know, there's lots of things you could think of about that, but I'm sure going to line us up on what that means and how it affects you and your cat. So what is overstimulated cat mean? Well, you know, it's a term that is often used um, when talking about children. Children are become overstimulated when they're just, you know, get a deluge of experiences and sensations and noise and activity more than they can cope with, you know. And, and so for cats... You know, a lot of times it's it's the same thing. It it can be that. Like for instance, um, we have a cat in the Santa Fe shelter named Shadowfax, and he was in an individual kennel, and we decided let's try him in a in a group room with other cats to see how he does. And we put him in a group room. Well, the problem with a group room in a shelter setting is that. You know, there's there's no way to do a proper, slow introduction to cats. They just kind of have to take them in there and let them out. And then there's no way to close a group room for three days while the cats get adjusted to each other because you still, you know, cats still got to get adopted. We still got to get them out of there. So in this particular case, Shadowfax was put in a group room. And just a few hours later, a family comes in with two small children and go into the group room to look at one of the other cats in there. And so here's Shadowfax feeling like he's been plopped into other cats' territory and feeling very insecure and, you know, on edge about that. And then a family comes in and now you've got three or four cats and two adults and two children in a, you know, in a relatively small space and he gets overstimulated and the kids are kids. And, you know, one of the kids was, I guess, reaching out for him or something. And he nipped at the kid. And then and then a shelter worker comes in because now the kid's crying and screaming and you got that extra stress. So, you know, a shelter worker comes in to see what's going on and try to intervene. Well, by this time, Shadowfax is just dialed up, you know, beyond ability to handle his emotions. And he lunges himself at the kennel worker and, you know, is attached all four feet, you know, claws on the guy's side. And he's biting at him because he's just completely flipped out. So then you put Shadowfax 
back in a kennel and he's now hyped up what we call a, a state of hypervigilance and um, and that you know keeps him ramped up. So when you go to pet him, even in his kennel now, if you pet down his back, he flips his head around and, and bites your hand. So clearly you shouldn't do that. And that's another thing is, you know, cats are often overstimulated when they're handled or touched in ways that they find uncomfortable. You know, it can also be aggravation. I'm aggravated at a situation that I'm not in control of. I can't do anything about, or they're very excited. You know, that's all those things define an overstimulated cat. There really are in a shelter setting, the, I believe that they're the more dangerous cats that, from a behavior standpoint, we deal with because they send mixed signals. We, we have another cat named Howie in the shelter, and he'll be rolling around doing air biscuits and looking like he wants nothing more than for you to open that door and pet him. But boy, when you do, he hisses and swats and becomes very overstimulated, racing back and forth and just, you know, very ramped up about human interaction. So, you know, the one of the worst cat bites I've ever had in a shelter was a cat that was overstimulated and was, you know, he was eating, he was rubbing into my hands, he's standing there at his food bowl, making biscuits, his tail straight up, you know, all all good signals that everything is fine. And I pet him and he just was overstimulated. Now, in his case, he was an intact male and there was a female in heat in the kennel below him. And so that aggravation obviously was a much more procreation. I I can't do what I've been designed to do, which is to procreate and there's an opportunity and I can't get to it. And I'm just like, and so he, he bit the crap out of me, sadly. And I don't think meant it (laughs) yeah you know that's that's always terrible when that happens because as you know maybe they are overstimulated by one reason or another and you know definitely being in a hided situation i mean can think about when you know you see those movies whereby people go into a jail and all that hyper attention that starts when people are first coming in or you know, the overstimulation of just energy wanting to get out. And it's sad after that because then the cat bites you and then you got to put it on some kind of quarantine and then, you know, right. it becomes a problem and yada, yada. That leads down a terrible road, as we all know. So how do they become overstimulated in a home? Yeah, that, and that's a good question because all the examples I just gave were all shelter settings. Um, but there's another cat in the Dallas shelter that, Um, His overstimulation actually started in the home. Now, when I I met him in the shelter, he was there. He just cleared bite quarantine. He had bitten someone at home and and was brought in and surrendered. And beautiful cat, beautiful, beautiful Russian blue, gorgeous cat named Javi. And when you, Javi is one of those cats that rubs against the bars and makes biscuits and reaches out for you and you would think was the friendliest cat in the world. And as soon as you open the kennel door, you know, then he, he tries to get out. So he's pushing his way out and, you know, you scratch him on the head and he leans into that. And then as soon as you go to pet him down the back, he flips around and bites you. And so I looked into 
you know, what Javi's story was. How did he how did he get in the shelter? And the story was that he was in the kitchen with his cat mom and they dropped something like a pan. They dropped a pan onto the floor and it made a really loud noise. And Javi was near the owner and bit the owner because of the loud noise. And then two weeks later, bit again. And and again, this is a case of, you know, something extremely jarring, frightening, out of the unusual. And it's, you know, it it's, uh, you know, it's, it's the way they act, kind of like us. If, if something really jarring happens, you know, you turn around and punch because, you know, you don't, it's just a natural reflex. And, you know, that's, that's, was very, very sad for him. But anything like that, you know, touching in a way that they don't want to be touched, you know, if you know that your cat bites you when you pet it down the back, then don't, don't do that. In Javi's case, he probably loved being petted when he was at home. Because now, I mean, gosh, he's been in the shelter Oh mash, like two and a half months, sadly, and um, and now when you pet him, you pet all over his body, and he's fine. He doesn't react in that way. But when cats have an overstimulation experience, they hold on to it for a while. They don't quickly let it go because that hypervigilance kicks in. Hypervigilance is like when someone gets mugged in a parking lot, and then you know we we sometimes call it like post-traumatic stress syndrome, right? So you think, you know, that person is always now looking over their shoulder. Somebody's going to get me. Something's going to get me. And they're in a state of hypervigilance. Well, that's what happens when things like Javi with a loud, sudden, startling noise happens. Then he remains in a state of hypervigilance, uh, clearly for at least a couple weeks. And when a stressful situation arises, you know, he, he reacted with his teeth. So uh, sadly it, it got the poor boy, um, it got the poor boy surrendered to a shelter, which is a good reason to do this topic. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it is. So how do you know when a cat is having an overstimulation reaction to something or how do we know they're just not playing? How do you know the difference in some of that? Well, it, it it is hard to tell, and and it's different for every cat. So some cats, it's just a a tiny tail twitch or or a tail swishing back and forth, you know. Or like I said, you're you're petting them, and then their head sw- you know swivels around, and they suddenly bite you. Um, you know, one of the warning signs there is I always tell when I'm training volunteers to work with the behavior cats, especially these overstimulation guys, I always tell them, be careful. A cat will always look where it's going to bite. So when the cat whips its head around, he's whipping around to look at your hand and then bites it. So if that happens, remove your hand quickly. Um, a lot of times you'll see the cats are, these cats are really restless. Maybe their ears are flicking back and forth or their skin is rippling you know, or like I said, that that head head comes whipping around towards your hand to to try to tell you to stop. So that's that's how you know. Wow, you know, I think about little kittens. You know, when they are playing, and you know, we talked about using your hands because I know I was really the a bad one about this before you and I got together uh, having kittens and putting my hand down there and playing with them and they just kind of attack and they're so little and so cute. You don't think about that, but could we be teaching them 
you know, some of that overstimulation and response and, you know, could that be some of what people are looking at? But when, when it's, when it comes out in a bigger cat, it's more um, concerning, obviously, because they're bigger and stronger. Yeah, and yeah absolutely. So that- we always tell people rule number one, do not play with your hands. Hands are not toys. Hands are meant for loving and feeding and petting, but never seen as prey. Because if your cat sees your hand as prey, then he's always going to attack it. And when they get to be 15 pounds, that becomes very dangerous. You know, it's like Pico, he'll, I play that stalking game with him where I make eye contact and then I leave the room and I go hide around a corner and he comes following me and I, I jump out, you know, with my arms stretched straight out and go, woo. And then he does the same thing. He'll catch my eye and he'll run hide around a corner and I come walking through and he jumps up with his arms out and sometimes grabs my thigh. If you're walking across the room, he'll come racing and grab you by the thigh. And a couple of times he's bitten, you know, because he's because he's amped up. He's he's overstimulated at that point. We see him, you know, he'll come dashing in the door from the outside catio and he'll come blasting in and racing around and then he comes in my office and his ears go flat back and he crouches down and he and he starts using my leg as a scratching post because he's you know he's really overstimulated and he you know wants me to pay attention and so I had to actually get a scratching post and put it right by my desk by my leg so I could redirect that to the scratching post and and not not my leg you know <laughs> cuz he i think all cats get overstimulated at one time or another and it's it's a matter of spotting it and being careful when you understand that that's going on with them you know yeah yeah i can see that so is it a form of aggression being overstimulated? Kind of like I was talking about with the little kittens. You don't think of them. I mean, when they're aggressive, you know, they hop up and they're, you know, four or five inches long, you know. But when the cat gets older and he's 13 <laughs> pounds and he's doing the same thing that he did when he was a kitten, do you consider that aggression or overstimulation? And, you know, what do you do? Yeah, it's not technically aggression, but it it, it certainly appears aggressive, you know, because that's usually what you get is is teeth. So it's not technically aggression, but but yes, it's expressing themselves in aggressive ways. Wow, wow, wow. So uh, what do you do when all that happens? Well, it's it's simple when the cat is is being you know, out of its mind, overstimulated, especially if it's directing any of that to you, you want to, you know, if you're petting your cat, you want to stop interacting and walk away. Just like with all behaviors with a cat, if you, the behaviors you ignore become extinct and the behaviors that you pay attention to or you react to, they will do more often. So, you know, you, you want to teach them that that's not a, appropriate by just walking away. You didn't never yell at them or hit them or anything like that. This, this is normal behavior. Anytime you try to correct normal behavior, you're just creating massive confusion and, and building on those behavior issues. So, yeah, this, it's, you just need to walk away. Step away from the teeth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Stay away from the teeth <laughs> and the claws if you don't clip them. You right. know, uh, so 
you just have to leave with a, I mean, you had to leave, you just have to live with a cat essentially um, that doesn't want to be touched. Uh, if, is that, um, you know, I guess I'm trying to, to figure out the defining lines between what's aggression, what's overstimulation, or just a cat that doesn't want to be touched. Well, it, it's all, those are very thin gray lines between all those things. And, you know, it, it, it isn't a good thought to think, my gosh, well, I have a cat that's overstimulated. Do you mean I'm never going to get to pet it? And it's never going to be a, a lap cat. And, you know, that's it. The answer to that is maybe, you know, it, it, it may be that if you have one of these cats that's overstimulated and who remains in a state of overstimulation for years on end, then you have got to let that cat come to you on its terms and interact with the cat you know, the way that it wants to be interacted with and and know when to stop, even if, you know, they're they're wanting to interact and you know it's gonna lead to to a bite. But sometimes the cat will calm down quickly. You know, whatever like like Pico, when he gets really aroused from being out in the catio and then comes racing back in and racing around and uses me as a scratching post, you know, he'll calm down. It, it doesn't take him but, you know, five minutes and then that overstimulation passes. But, you know, some cats like Javi, it took a while, clearly. It, it took months, you know. It took a couple weeks at least in the home and then he was moved to a shelter situation with, you know, more noise and, and aggravation and confinement and, and he... Uh, you know, he's held on to that for a long period of time. So it depends, you know, it depends on what causes the overstimulation and as to how long you're going to have to tolerate it. Well, you know, and this is a great big question, right? And probably has many different answers to it. And and maybe they all don't work the same for every cat, but how do you manage it or them or the whole process? Yeah, so what you really have to do is is be aware of cat body language. You know, I think we even have a podcast on that. Yeah. Since we have like <laughs> 150 podcasts, you know, if it's hard to find them, we're working on putting a directory on the website so it's a little easier to find these topics, but if you if you want a link to that, just email me and I'm I'm happy to send it to you. But you you need to really learn brush up on your cat body language skills and know the antecedents so the things that happen before a bite occurs what's happening i talked to a lot of people um i had a lady the other day with an abyssinian you know and that clearly is overstimulated and i said so think about it when when she bites you What's happening right before? What does she look like? What's and she goes, yeah, you're right. I can tell, you know, she's getting frustrated and tense, and the ears go back and the tail switches, swishes. And I said, uh huh. And when you see that, then you know, I know our intuition is let me comfort my child who's feeling uncomfortable. But in this case, you need to just walk away. When you see it amping up move away before it unleashes onto you. So, you know, and things like antecedent arrangements can be things like 
putting a scratching post by your leg so it gets used instead of you. You know, it's like, okay, I can't, I can't stop him from getting overstimulated in the catio. I could, I could, I could probably shut the catio off, access off, but that's not fun. He likes to go out there and I'm not going to stop him from racing back in the house and running around like a madman, but I can redirect, you know, my leg damage to the scratching post and, you know, that'll at least take care of that part. Cause I, I, so you might have to figure out ways to redirect that overstimulation if you are the, the brunt of that when they get that way. Well, so is this a good time to talk about, like we've often talked about, and you always point to this as um, doing prey play with your yeah, kitty and, and maybe taking some of that energy down a notch? Yeah, definitely redirecting that, that you know, if they're being aggressive to you, um, when they're overstimulated, redirecting that to something that's more appropriate is good. However, understand that prey play can also just be amping them up more. So, uh. you, you know, if you are having a situation where you're petting your cat and it bites you, then what you need to do is not go get a wand toy and reward it for that because that'll be seen as as a reward, huh, I, I bit her and then she goes and gets a wand toy and I get to do prey play. So you don't want that to become a learned behavior. So if you're touching the cat and, and that overstimulation is directing onto you, you need to stop touching the cat and walk away, even if the cat continues to solicit attention, right? Because a lot of these cats will say, no, but I, I want to live in you. I want to live in you. I just got to gotta bite you. And they'll keep soliciting the attention. But as soon as you see that that overstimulation happening, you need to leave. Do not pay any more attention to the cat. Another thing you don't ever want to do is use those laser light toys. That leads to overstimulation because they're aggravated that they can't get to it. You know, it's like prey play. They chase it. You know, they're doing part of that hunting sequence, I'm stalking, you know, I'm, I'm catching it, maybe I'm chasing it, all that stuff, but there's no opportunity to actually do a mock kill bite. So when you're using a wand toy, they actually grab that toy and bite it. And when cats deliver that kill bite, it releases serotonin in their brain, which helps control this. You know, I also think serotonin also comes from food. So maybe diet can also theoretically um, calm overstimulation in your cat. But definitely no lasers, prey play before meals, definitely. You know, if I see prey play would be a good thing to do, like in Pico's example, when he's out in the catio, all dialed up and comes racing back in, then I should jump up and grab the wand toy and play with him and wear him out. And then I wouldn't be the brunt of that, you know, stimulation, that overstimulation. Okay, so if someone owns an overstimulated cat, is there any cure for it or how do you make it go away? I know, you know, we're talking about prey play, maybe on one end, food on another end, but, you know, really, what's the core of the overstimulation and what can somebody do to really fix it? Because most people don't want their cats to be 
that and bitey and you know right, they don't want right. to be scared of their cats. So what at the core, yeah, what do there's, we do? There's really not a cure for overstimulation. I mean, if an event happened, like in Javi's case, you know, hopefully the cat with time and with reinforcement from you and stuff like that, the cat will learn to trust its surroundings again and calm down. But you can do one of the things we do in the shelter for these cats is we, you know, like Shadow Facts, for instance, is still in the shelter and still in our program, as well as Howie. So we try to redirect that overstimulation to something uh, like a mental challenge. So we'll do clicker training with them. We'll have them target nose to finger. So you stick your finger out, point at them, and they touch the end of your finger with the nose, and then you click and you give them a reward. We do that until they lose interest, and then and that'll sometimes diffuse some of that, that pent-up energy, and then we'll start gradual desensitization. So then we'll start petting them, very short, 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 like pets to the cheeks, maybe three seconds, stop and reward, and then pets to the cheeks, four seconds, stop and reward. You know, so that you're gradually increasing the length of time that you touch a cat and rewarding the cat for not responding inappropriately. If you get to the point where they do respond inappropriately, you have to stop. You don't reward for that. And you've just got to keep your petting sessions short. Know that, you know, it's not a lap cap that's going to roll around in your lap and want hours of affection. And you got to honor those no-touch zones. People tend to think they can change a cat. Like, I can I can make you learn to love it when I pet down your back. And that's just, just not going to happen. You know, you've got to honor it. If you pet down your cat's back and every time you get to a certain point, it whips around and bites you, well, stop it. Don't do that anymore because clearly the cat finds it irritating. It's like most cats, not Pico, thankfully, but most cats, if you rub their bellies, even when they're stretched out, rolling around, welcoming you, you reach down and rub the belly and you just like it's a trap, you know, and then all four paws come up and teeth are on you. And, and you know, so you're like, I know he doesn't like his belly rub, so I'm not going to do that. Otherwise, you're just enticing or you're, you're ramping them up on purpose and that's just not good. So, you know, honor where your cat doesn't like to be touched, just like you do with other people. You know, you have real introverted friends or, you know, I have a friend that has Asperger's that's just not comfortable hugging. And even though I'm a hugger, I have to respect that with her, that that's not comfortable for her. So I don't run up and give her a hug because... You know, I, I want to respect her, and we need to do that with our cats as well. We need to respect their no-touch zones and their, give them space when you see them amped up like this. You know, and listening to the podcast, from my perspective, I, I look at it, it, it sounds more and more like we don't want to be around and affectionate to our cats, but that's not really the message at all. It's just that if you have a behavior that is this situation you want to respect those uh, times. And there are other times where the cat will come up and jump in your lap and that's the time that they want to be pet and that's the time that they kind of want to be loved on and so forth and so on. So, um, uh, you know, yeah. 
I think it's a, a really good thing that you do these podcasts and you teach people these different behavior scenarios uh, that come up. But the real message is it's all about trying to get to know your cat better and get to know how to communicate. It's like a relationship counseling thing. (laughs) There are behaviors that both people have. Yeah. (laughs) And people, you know, people have owned, I talk to people all the time that have owned cats their whole lives. They've had, you know, generations of cats and they don't really understand the species. And when they start to learn, they're like, wow, I never realized how bad I was taking care of my cats, all those cats that, you know, that I've had in the past. And I'm so thankful to really learn what it is that the species needs because there just isn't a lot of information out there about cats like there is dogs so that's why we do what we do my love that's right and and that's because cats lives matter (laughs) they do they do cats lives matter that's exactly (laughs) why you do this so much you know and for all those listeners out there i would like for you to Just come and listen to some of the things that Molly uncovers in some of the behavior stuff. It's just so eye-opening to see that there's all these different behaviors that cats have, and we don't ever think of them as a behavior. We think of them as just, it's the cat, you know? And, you know, then we go, okay, well, I don't like that way that cat is. And maybe you just don't like the behavior of the cat as opposed to not liking the cat and taking the cat back to a shelter or, you know, all those bad things that happen to the kitties. So for all those listeners, I'd like for you uh, to come and help support the work that Molly does. She provides these podcasts and other resources for free. She makes many behavior cases for low-income cat parents. She, She goes and to their homes or does Zoom calls with them and, you know, really does make a change in a different in the cat's world. So follow her. And she she makes many of these behaviors for low-income families because they are sometimes often those people that have a problem with the cat and don't know what to do with it and really just want to give up on it. And, and that's not a good thing for the cats. So no, she does. I mean, people, everybody needs hat, cat help regardless of their income level. Just like right. I, I had some college students reach out last week, too, ironically, two in a row in the same week. And, you know, they, these kids are going to school and they have a cat as a companion. And I think that's wonderful, but they can't afford to hire a behaviorist. So I, I'm happy with your generous support to make all those resources and and my time and products and sometimes food and things like that available to them. Yeah, she does anything she can do to keep cats out of shelters. So if you, as the listeners out there, also care about cats, consider sending us a gratuity donation. It's super easy. Just go to the store, catbehaviorsolutions.org. Scroll down past the products and to the bottom, and there you will see there are different donation amounts you can add to your cart. But before you check out, before you check out, (laughs) go back up there and get some stuff for your cat, your overstimulated cat. You know, one of the things that we carry that's awesome for these guys are we've got these giant kick kick 
kick kickers, I guess, catnip kickers. They're just stuffed chock full of catnip, no fillers in them, and they're big. You know, we've got one that's like 15 inches long, and cats grab them, and they bunny kick them, and it's a really good way to give your cat something to bite that's appropriate. I've also got the world's best wand toy that's got a bunch of feathers and crinkled paper at the end, and it's nice and long so you can keep the cat away from you and great for prey play. And then we just picked up these new fleece wand toys. They're really long. They're kind of like a ribbon of fleece, and you can drag that around. They they love that too. So there's lots of things. We have food puzzles, lots of stuff on there that will help you with your overstimulated cat. Also, find us on social media. Find us and like us on Facebook and Instagram. We really appreciate your following there. And check out the blog on the website while you're there. Um, I've got a lot of little topics. There's a search bar, so you can search a particular topic if you need it. And if you can't find what you need, please email me, molly at cattalkradio.com. And if I don't have those questions answered or resources out there, I will develop them for you. I promise. Because <laughs> we want you to take better care of your cat. And we yes. want your cat to love you more and vice versa. And we're going to keep doing this as long as shelter, shelter euthanasia, euthanasia is the number, is the one, number cause one, one cause death of death in, in cats. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in today. Until next time, keep calm and purr on. Yes. Goodbye, everybody. Have a great day. Looking for products that address specific cat behavior issues? On our website, cattalkradio.com, you'll find things that will create enrichment in the environment for your cat, toys that will reduce boredom, the world's best and safest nail clippers, and much more. All proceeds support our mission, reducing the number of cats surrendered to shelters. Stop by the site and pick up a few tips and tidbits for your cat today. Visit cattalkradio.com and look for The Behavior Shop. You can be a cat lifesaver by helping to keep us on the air. In the U.S., about 10 cats per hour are euthanized in shelters due to behavior issues. Through this educational radio show, behavior consultations, seminars, and articles, Cat Behavior Solutions intercepts cat behavior problems in the home, reducing the number of cats who are surrendered to shelters. Make a donation at catbehaviorsolutions.com. That's catbehaviorsolutions.com. Thanks for tuning in to Cat Talk Radio. Please join your host, Molly DeVos, for another episode of the program on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now, go make a connection with your feline friend.